everybody and welcome to Dine with the Divine. I'm Ashley, your host, and together we're going to be exploring the magical, the mystical, and everything in between. So on today's episode, we're going to have a big episode all about the Orishas. So I hope everyone's having a great day, and if not, I hope your day gets better soon. We have an absolutely fantastic guest on. We have Ashley from the Ashe Shop, the Orisha Storyteller, and the founder of the Ashe Shop. She is an initiate of the Ifa and the Kumi traditions. She tells the stories of her ancestors that existed before we were enslaved. These stories connect us to our African roots while amplifying our American experience. She created the Ashe Shop as a space for individuals to learn and ask questions about African traditional religions while navigating their spiritual journeys. She has a master's in psychology as well as over 10 years of experience working with individuals and families coping with depression, anxiety, ADHD, PTSD, and various other mental illnesses. Her mission is to end cycles of mental illness and generational trauma through the use of traditional spiritual practices, and she believes connecting to our roots will help us heal from the effects of enslavement and racial justice. So, hey, Ashley, how are you today? Hey, I'm good. That sounds so nice. Will you read it? I need you to read it on my website. What's <laughs> like that? <laughs> Anytime I'll narrate you. Um, <laughs> it's so great. And you're a fellow Ashley, so this is very exciting for me. I know. Um, <laughs> Ashley together, y'all know y'all better sit down, baby, and tie your edges down. It's going to get wild. I like to always ask everybody, how did you, you have a lot going on, but how did you start? on like your spiritual path and then i'll ask you later about how you match that with your job your master's in psychology i have been on a spiritual journey because baby i was going through it what are we all me through it i was experiencing a lot of traumas and it was like big traumas so it was like Mm -hmm. i would come out of one and be like okay i'm good i got this and god would be like i'm yanking you back into (laughs) No, I literally am going through trauma after trauma. So I am going to church a lot and I'm going to church regularly. I'm a mission of my, my I'm a member of my Redeemer Missionary Baptist Church. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to church and the pastor is looking at me because every Sunday I'm looking like it's time for them to get up and start. Here she go. Here she go with the <laughs> hollering. Here she go with the fanny. Here the pastor go looking like he breaking a sweat. We know you you've been in that robe too long now because you feel it in the spirit. It totally looked like a show to me. And then trying mm-hmm. to build a relationship with people in the church. I've always had a tough time with community because of the way mm-hmm. I present. My mm-hmm. overall affect can be influenced. It, and it can be intimidating to people sometimes. I don't want to be the smartest person in the room, but I can't help it. And talk the way people would see me, like she thinks she this, she thinks she that. I'm very humble. Mm hmm. For the most part. But. (laughs) I was going through it, and my pastor tells me I needed to find God for myself. And naturally, I am a scholar. Mm -hmm. I am a scholar practitioner, so I'm the type of person that as I'm learning about something, I like to put it into practice. So Mm -hmm. I literally started looking for everything I could, but some things weren't adding up. Because as I'm looking through the Bible and Christian historical stuff, and then I'm looking into this and I'm looking into that, and then I'm looking into Egyptian comedic, it's something about comedic practices and Egyptian practices that's very off-putting for me. And... 
I ended up going to visit South Africa. As mm. I was doing all this research and looking stuff up, my ex-fiance at the time was like, I think you going to Africa would be a really good trip for you. We went down to Africa, y'all. He ended up proposing to me in Africa, but that didn't last long, so that's not perfect. Yeah. The fun <laughs> is that I got to experience African culture in Africa and being able to speak to people born and raised in South Africa, their culture, their influence. And I heard this song. We went to your girl, Ashley. We went to this party girl. <laughs> And I was scared because I ain't never seen that many black people together. Black people get together like that. And I ain't had no gun. I ain't had no knife. I ain't had no pepper spray. I was feeling some type of But the energy, if you've mm -hmm. been in America, you've been in an event where it's a bunch of black people, the energy says, watch your bank. But in South Africa, in Cape Town, the energy was, I felt safe. Mm -hmm. I felt protected. I felt whole. I felt at home. And so when the song comes on, the song is saying, and I the one word I picked out of it was and they do mighty. And I'm like, what is that? And I tour God is like, it's just a religious song they sing. Don't worry too much about it. Because I think he was very Americans are we we don't understand that. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I get back to America and I fall into a rabbit hole. Mm. Well, this had to have been a. This had to have been in 2018. This was in 2018 because okay. my spiritual journey it took a huge turn once I got back from Cape Town and I had heard about Dorisha, but seeing it and I really started to put two and two together. I really started to connect with it and I really started to dig. And at the time in 2018, there were books out, but not really that many books out. And a mm -hmm. lot of the books out were written by Caucasians or yeah. white passing Latinos. And I couldn't really relate to it. So mm -hmm. a lot of my research, I would go into JSTOR, into the school libraries. I would get somebody's password, go into their school library, into their <laughs> JSTOR, and start looking up articles on stuff. And that's really how I got started. And then I started finding books. Like, one of the first books I found was the Handbook of Yoruba Religion. Yeah, yeah. That's by And because I wasn't finding anything, and I felt some type of way about that. Mm -hmm. I felt some type of way about the fact that it was so hard for me to find anything, not just about African spirituality, but about the Orishas, about anything. This mm -hmm. information was very hard for me to find. Mm -hmm. And no, it was 2017 we went to Cape Town because it was in 2018 we went to Lagos, Nigeria. So okay. it was that year and then going to Nigeria, girl, <laughs> and there's artwork of Shango as soon as we get in. There's artwork mm -hmm. of Eshu that I'm seeing on the walls and I'm seeing this energy, girl, Legos was crazy. <laughs> yeah, I got this video of these dudes rollerblading on the interstate in the back of a truck. <laughs> oh, yeah. But what shocked me was how 
they're taught about the Orisha from more of a historic standpoint. A lot of the people who I met were very apprehensive to talk about the Orisha, very apprehensive to talk about African spirituality. If you ask them, they either practice Islam or they're Christians. Mm -hmm. Oh, that's what the old people do. We don't get into that. And that, again, that bothers me. Yeah. Yeah. Because that says that even on the continent, our history has been so far erased that even our people don't embrace it as a strength. They mm -hmm. see practicing Ifa and they see honoring the Orishas as a weakness for many of them. And that mm -hmm. bothered me because this is ours. Yeah. yeah. When we grow up knowing nothing. So, girl, I went down the rabbit hole and I ain't came back up ever since. I'm still down there. <laughs> Yes, I love that. I am still in the web and talking about y'all come down here with me. It's nice. I know. <laughs> I, so I tell, I've never been to Lagos, but I've been to Accra and my fiance is Nigerian. So he comes from Nigeria and Accra, he says that Lagos is like Accra times 10. Because even in Accra, I tell everybody like, if you go there, you've never seen anything like a West African city. You'll see shit that you're like, what the fuck is going on here? Like, it's just like, but everybody's just going about their day. Like, but it is an American. If you've grown up in the United States, you're like, this is why. And even like my dad's from Ghana. I've heard stories about this kind of stuff my whole life. But then when I go there, you're like, wow, these people are, they're just, it's just a different vibe. And it's true. Like when I've been, my grandpa's from Jamaica. So I've been to Jamaica, but when I went to Ghana, me and my sister has never been to Jamaica so she came to Ghana though with us and she's like it is weird to just be around black people like like all black people it's like a different feeling there's no feeling of otherness there's no feeling of like oh people are looking at me or I'm walking into a store and people are gonna be I gotta keep my hands outside my pockets people are gonna think I'm gonna do something wrong like it was just like I'm just here like I'm just being myself it's completely it's very freeing. So I completely understand what you mean, like that feeling. It's I felt different. some type of way, you know, when we went to the market and that man looked at me and pointed and said, American. <laughs> <laughs> they can tell as soon as you walk down the street and even me, my dad was like, there was somewhere, we went to the slave fortress and he's, all right, there's going to be lots of people there trying to sell you stuff. Like, so we wore completely traditional African clothes that day. And my sister looks way more Ghanaian than me. So she can like kind of pass. But they looked at me and they're like, oh, they're like, do you want to buy this bracelet for $50? I'm like, no, thank you. Come on, man. Like, <laughs> we like little New Yorkers. You can't have me. It's not working, son. It's not happening. I don't want that. I don't want it. I'm coming. Then I'm going to turn around and, and try to sell you. Since you want me to buy it so bad, how much you going to give me for it? You going to give me $30? I don't take it for $30. Oh, you going to give me $30? No, you going to give me $30. And they imitate. I call babe. Look, I ain't got the good, not the good sense that gave me, but sometimes I put it on pause. Look, especially when I'm being haggled, I'm about to have a funky good time. Because, girl, in Africa, I ain't going to say they got me. They got me. <laughs> 
they got me in my, they got me in Legos and this bag was monkey girl I still I got these beads sitting in a drawer I don't know what to do with the beads I ain't even want the beads in the place. <laughs> and think about it cause all y'all the, and people think about business as being a man's trade, but when you go to the market, it's all women. It's yeah. women who haggle, it's women who negotiate, it's women who set the price. Mm-hmm. And learning about African traditional religions has really made me my perspective of myself and mm-hmm. black women a lot stronger because those of us who have traveled to the continent, whether it's Nigeria or Ghana or Kenya or Tanzania, it's an experience and it's a connection there that once you reconnect with your roots, ain't no going back. There's no, no. Yeah. no, oh my God, I worship the goddess Venus, a lie, <laughs> a lie. Baby, I have been in the presence of Orisha and once mm-hmm. you do that, Ain't no, oh my God, Zeus is so powerful, girl. Zeus is a storyteller character. (laughs) This one thing I love about, first of all, like you said, a lot of West Africa, especially, like a lot of, traditionally, it's matriarchal too. So like exactly what you're saying, you find a lot of stories of really strong women doing things. It's not only, and this guy, he conquered in this war. A lot of the time it was the women leading the men into war and leading and teaching women how to fight or teaching women how to protect the village while the men were gone in case they got attacked. It, a lot of it is, is the women. And the other thing, and I was talking about this on a different episode that I love about the Orishas, is that they're very, they're like people. They argue, they fight. This one doesn't like this one. This one's arguing with this one. But sometimes they all have to get together to fix something and they just do it. Like, even though they, 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 they don't like each other. The idea of that is like a whole bunch of Nigerian men and they work together <laughs> with a lot of food trying to decide on one thing. The, they like to speak in proverbs. It's a part of the culture. Mm-hmm. It yes. denotes intelligence and it makes you think about what's being said because they speak in proverbs and riddles because it's, I'm asking you a question, think about it, use your brain. Yeah, You can't mm-hmm. have a conversation with a native Nigerian or a native West African period and not mm-hmm. have, you're gonna have to use your brain. A man once told me, they're not scammers, they're just smarter than us. <laughs> but I always imagine these meetups between them it goes down, baby. I have a feeling it goes down in a very major way. They be in there arguing, fighting. What about this? You know what? Forget it. I'm not arguing with y'all no more. Just call a Rumila. Rumila know everything anyway. Just go ahead and call him. This is, it's a, I think it's so funny because I always think of like, I, I was born in the United States, so I, but I live in an area that is more white than black. So when I am around like African people, they're the same as black people. Like, we're not different. I know people will be like, oh, Africans or black Americans. Or... Honestly, if you get all us in a room and give us a subject to talk about, we'll argue, we'll laugh, we'll drink. It's all the same thing. We're just a boisterous. Baby, if you know the thing we talking about is food, what are we eating? And it. Cooking it and what seasoning you using in it because you're not using the right seasoning. Exactly. <laughs> conversation right there. Everyone but wants to eat. That's it. Yeah. <laughs> Alicia, we see the personification 
and manifestation of God through them. So the Orishas mm -hmm. are the manifestations of God. So mm -hmm. we're going to see them not just in nature, but we're going to see these aspects of God personified. Yeah. And it's with their personification that we get the Patakis, which are the stories of the Orisha. You get your Odu, you get your verses, and that teaches us how to navigate life because the teachers, the Orishas basically teach us how to conquer our challenges. Yeah, exactly. Oh, I love we're that. It from a West African and African perspective, because I grew up in a predominantly white environment, um, which is why mm -hmm. I chose to go to a HBCU for college. Mm -hmm. Growing up predominantly white environment, it's not that I didn't see myself as equal, but as an African American in a predominantly white environment, we have trouble establishing where our place is because in our yes. minds subconsciously, we're always seen as being inferior to whites and they subconsciously treat us that way. Yeah, They don't mean to. It's just the way it is. When we go somewhere, you go somewhere with your white friends and, oh, they're treating you different. Oh, friend, it's okay. Just, you know, do it. The fuck you mean? <laughs> I'm just supposed to just deal with it. You not going to stand up for me that is wrong? We just supposed to go in here and have a drink? Why are you handing me a beer, bitch? I don't want a beer. I want to get out there with this bottle because they being racist to me. Yeah, yeah. But exactly. And, and that's the experience growing up in a Caucasian a heavily Caucasian environment, we often don't understand or we don't have confidence in who we are. Yeah. And Absolutely. it's not that I respect my friends less. I have a greater perspective of myself and I've gained more understanding and fulfillment in myself because I know where I come from. I could look at all my friends, especially my white friends, and tell you my friend is French and Italian. My other friend is Acadian and French. My other friend is Irish. How I know she Irish? Because they be cooking them potatoes, girl. And then my other Italian, and that's a friend who I used to be at in high school because her mama could cook and my mama could cook. And everybody think because my mom was blessed, she could be my mama could not cook. <laughs> my friend house. I'm always at somebody's house. All of my friends' mamas could cook. But it helped me to get the confidence I needed to walk into those rooms and not doubt myself and not be afraid to speak up for myself because I know who I am and I have confidence in who I am and where I come from. And that bit of gaining that knowledge of my history was a great help. Yes. Oh, I love that. I love that. So. You had asked me earlier about my professional background and my spirituality. Yes, that was my next question. Yes. <laughs> on the page, but let me get back to that. No problem. I love it. My You're doing great. My professional background is in mental health. I have a bachelor's degree and a master's degree in psychology. After I got my master's degree, I said... I'm going to take a minute and I'm going to, before I go back for my PhD, Ashley, I'm so happy. I feel <laughs> that burnt because my 30s have been an entire roller coaster ride. And I'm getting to the end of my 30s. And my goal that I set at 32 when I finished up my master's was I'm going to go back for my degree. When I turned grad, I wasn't 32. I was 30. Rushing my age. I was 30. But I was like, okay, I'm going to go back for my PhD when I turn 40. Girl, I have gone through it. 
<laughs> but I knew halfway through my master's degree that I did not want to be a therapist or a counselor. Mm. I am trained in it. I excel in it. Mm-hmm. I enjoy it to an extreme. But when I looked at it, I could never say that this is the career path I want for my life. Mm. And I'm happy I had the experience that I do because I focus more. My expertise is in psychopathology, which is the diagnosis of psychological disorders and personality development. Okay. Personality Mm -hmm. development continues throughout life. And it's my theory that as African-Americans, not having knowledge of our ancestry strongly has a negative influence on our development, mm-hmm. especially our totally self-identity. So my background, I naturally have been able, I would do assessments and I would always be like, I don't want to take on no more clients, send me out to do assessments. Just let me do what whatever is I could do because I don't like for work to feel like work. When it's all yeah. feeling like work, I quit. Same, yeah. Yeah. So <laughs> I found that doing assessments and working with people is very easy. It's very natural for me just because I'm, mm-hmm. I'm good at it. Mm-hmm. Um, especially in assessments, I'd be sitting there doing an assessment and something would be like, ask her if she's been in jail. Ask the mom how many run-ins she's had with DCFS and to tell you about these. It's something in my spirit, something in my spirit said to ask about it. Because two months later, why I had to call DCFS and I'm sitting over here having to deal with it. Because I'm like, why would you punch your daughter in the face knowing I'm coming over here? After you punched her in the face, Mm -hmm. you're supposed to call me and tell me not to come today. So when I come over here and I see a fist-sized mark on your daughter's face, what you think? I was, well, what you thought I was supposed to tell? And I'm literally looking at her like, you know, I'm a mandated reporter. Yeah. told me not to come. But it's things like that, that spirit would, I would know. I would know. But I remember that day before I pulled up to her house, I'm like, it's about to be something. And I would just know. So years later, when I started my journey, when I got my first reading, with my godfather, he says, Ashley, do you know you're a medium? Mm-hmm. And I say, yes, I do wear a size medium in everything. And <laughs> 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 he said, no, fool, like a medium, like you speak with spirits. <laughs> Ashley, so much click. There were so Mm. many things that I had been insecure about. I was thinking I was crazy. I was thinking I'm not like most people, something wrong. Ain't nothing wrong with me. I was special. Absolutely. And finding that out has helped me really to gain confidence in myself because my I took the route that I took professionally because me helping people is natural. Me looking mm-hmm. at people and being able to pick out, okay, I'm listening to you. This is the problem. These are the solutions. It's natural for me. Yeah. And that's something that professionally, it's like I naturally aligned my spiritual gifts with my professional skills. And my professional skills have been strengthening my spiritual gifts since I was in undergrad. hmm not even realizing it subconsciously 
honing these skills for me to be a diviner, for me to help people connect the spirit and to be the one to, because basically as a medium and as a diviner, my job isn't to give you my opinion. My job is to articulate the messages that are coming through. Yeah. And my work expertise has allowed me to do that at a level where I really excel at it. I'm really good at helping people to understand what is going on with them and helping them to see things that they don't want to see from a fresh perspective. I still don't want to be a therapist, though. They work too hard. I ain't dealing with all that. <laughs> I wish them the best. But I knew after working with a client who had, I, was, I worked in a psych ward when I was working on my master's degree. I worked at a behavioral health hospital. Mm -hmm. And after working on the trauma unit, I don't want to be a therapist. It's rough, I'd right? Be a tarot reader. Because <laughs> in three months, in 30 minutes, we have broken down what would have taken me three months in therapy. I'd have been sitting there in three months yeah. listening, active listening, regurgitating, re uh, rephrasing what people are saying. <laughs> and not really making much progress with therapeutic means. Whereas with spirituality, we see a lot of progress a lot quicker. But then we mm -hmm. also see the uncovering of certain disorders because I can identify very quickly. I like that, like I can help somebody, but you're going to need more help than me. That's above my pay grade. And yeah. it's having that background. I wish more readers had experience in mental health or social work. Or even active listening. Yeah. yeah. That's so important. I don't think a lot of readers understand that. Like that it, you're not just there to just like say stuff. Like just talk. You really, people are coming to you because they're like going through it. And like <laughs> you said, you need to also know when this is above your pay grade. Like I am not, I'm not the person you, the only person you need to see about this. You probably yeah. need to talk to a, a, a licensed therapist and deal with this underlying maybe major issue that you have. And then if you want a reading later on or you want a reading, I can supplement. But well, sometimes the purpose of that reading is for them to come to me and be like, I know you think this is something you can deal with on your own, but you can't. Because That's true. my job delivering the message, it's about how I deliver the message. Because some people, they have people around them who talk to them nice all day. Oh, you're so yeah. sweet. Oh, you're so this. Oh, you're so that. And they sit down in the meeting. Yeah. I'll be like, the fuck are you doing? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but people need, so many people need somebody to literally say that. What is yeah. this? <laughs> My delivery is soft. Oh, mm -hmm. whether it's rough, it's always in love. Yeah. I don't want to be the person that I'd be like, damn, why y'all be coming to me with these love readers? Why I got to be there and tell your man cheating on you? And I'd be like, you came here today because you know your man cheating on you. So what are we doing? <laughs> I wanted to know if my man's cheating on me. Do you think your man cheating on you? Yes. Okay. You have the spirit touch. Yeah, well, Kelsey, well, what, what about the woman? Why are you worried about the woman he cheating on you with? Don't worry. Then this day, the tomb is more than one. And he don't love fuck. He barely don't even like you. <laughs> you know how many times people come, like, I've gotten love readings, and they'll just, they tell me that he's cheating on him, but they just, they'll be like, yeah, we got in a fight. You didn't come home for three days, and 
when he did come home, he like was wearing different clothes and then he left for another couple days and there's all these weird messages on his phone and blah, blah, blah. And I'm like, so you're telling me he's cheating on you. And I was telling him like, okay, so if I confirm it, that he's cheating on you, what is your next step? Like, you tell me what you think we want to do here because I feel like you, you came here to hurt your own feelings or you came here for me to tell you to get him back. I'm not going to tell you that. That's Girl, up to you. I had a reading that literally spelled out. I was like, he's cheating on you. We went for the, it's not his first time cheating on you. And it's not mm-hmm. going to be the last. She's like, what do you mean it's not going to be the last? You're not leaving him. You're not going nowhere. So I want you to get your mind wrapped around the fact that as long as you continue to stay with him, he's going to cheat. So it's like, you got first wife status. (laughs) Ashley, the way this message came out three months later, she was like, I left him. I was like, I knew it. (laughs) Because the way the message came out, it painted a picture for her of what her life would look like if she stayed in that relationship. So mm-hmm. her not wanting to hear the message. And I definitely left that reading thinking like, damn, she ain't hear nothing I said. Like, I'm mm-hmm. afraid that she finds happiness because I can tell she's not happy in this relationship. And three months later, she was like, you know what, Ash? I literally started to see everything that you said going down, like him cheating. And every time he cheats, he cares less. Mm-hmm. And it's realizing sometimes that I may want to take a softer approach but the spirit is coming through hot. And I'm like, yeah, I'm about to be up here having nightmares tonight because I'm trying to be soft to you. He about to get this message out the way spirit said to get the message out. <laughs> and we're going to work with it from there. And that's the thing about being a medium. It's not about my feelings. It's not about me. Mm-hmm. And that's one thing I learned in mental health is to remove my bias. And that's one of the biggest problems we see with some readers who may not have the qualifications that they need because they come in with an attitude. What you got an attitude for? This ain't about you. This is not about me. I am being used. (laughs) Exactly. (laughs) You're a vessel at that point. You're just a vessel. Yeah. Yeah. It's crazy, though, because even there's so many different ways to connect to spirit, but everybody really wants to connect to the Orisha. And that's mm-hmm. not something we can do in our living room. Yeah. Yeah. It's a thing. You know what? Actually, this goes perfectly into our next section because it's all we're going to talk about today because you are the Orisha storyteller. Basically, I was like, what are we going to talk about? Orishas, of course. We we do our dish of the week and our tea time, but this week we have it all together because we're going to go through. You'll see how we'll do it, everybody. Don't worry. We're going to talk about the Orishas now. We have to start at the beginning so you understand what's going on here. Where is the belief in the Orishas come from, right? Okay, so we're going, we're all getting on our plane. Get your passports, get your luggage. We're going to Lagos with, with Ashley and me. So we're going and we're there. So Lagos is part of Yoruba land, the land of Yoruba people. And Yoruba people are one of the largest ethnic groups in Western Africa. So the collective Yoruba land, it's mostly, most Yoruba people are in Nigeria, but it's southwestern Nigeria and parts of eastern Benin. And there's also parts of Togo where there's large populations of Yoruba people. So they actually make up 21% of the population in Nigeria. And this is the country where there's the most Yoruba people. So this is the group where the belief in the Orishas started. So the 
Arishas are, hold on, let me explain this also. If you guys are like me and Ashley and really like to do a lot of research, you might think to yourself, or you might already know, you're gonna say, doesn't this, aren't these kind of like a little bit related to, I always say it wrong, but it's like Lua, like the Haitian voodoo. They are closely related, but they're different. Like Ifa is different than Haitian voodoo, but there are a lot of like similarities in different entities and different deities that they do rituals with and worship. And a lot of this is because the Eva people and the Fawn people are two other tribes that were really close to the Yoruba people. So they have a lot of similar spiritual practices. And there's also a religion from the Edo people and the Igala people who also have similar practices too. So when people talk about Ifa, Ifa is a religion, but it's also the type of divination system that they use. This has to do with sometimes people use stones and shells, different things. And this is usually performed by a babalao, and I forget how to say the female oh, version. Iyanifa. Iyanifa. Yes. Iyanifa. Okay. Mm -hmm. Yes, that is the female version, and they are like Ifa priests and priestesses. So many Yoruba people were kidnapped during the transatlantic slave trade. And everybody, remember, we talked about this in our first episode. We talked about how later in the slave trade in the 17, 1800s, I guess all the awful people got sick of going to Central Africa. So they went to Western Africa and they took a lot of people from Nigeria. And you can tell because in a lot of countries, especially in parts of Brazil, there's literally whole towns in Brazil where they speak Yoruba. They do all practice like Ifa practices places in different parts of the Caribbean and there are major influences there. So the Yoruba religion or Ifa or they're part of a bigger, bigger group of like ATRs, African traditional religions, or people call them DTR, diasporic traditional religions. So Ifa is, has turned into a bunch of different manifestations depending on the country mostly. So we have Candomblé, Quimbanda, Tamar de Mina, and Umbanda, which are in Brazil, Kele, which is in uh, St. Lucia, Santeria in Cuba or Puerto Rico. And that's just a few of the different names. And then there's also Lukumi. There's a bunch of different names for it. Generally the same. It just depended where the people ended up. So because of the, because, so what thing that the kidnappers did when they tried to take slaves is they tried to take them from different areas and put them together. Because if you have a bunch of people who can't speak the same language, it's way harder to organize and kill people, right? So they made a couple mistakes because they started taking people from certain groups and landing them all in the same places. And it also had to do with which places those countries owned, right? The British had Ghana. They sent a lot of Ashanti people to Jamaica and everybody ended up being Ashanti. They had a the British people had Yoruba people and ended up sending them to certain places. That's why in Haiti, you have Togo and Benin. That's where most of Haitian, most Haitian people come from. So they did this with Yoruba people and there's just so many Yoruba people that they couldn't really spread them too much. So they ended up being in concentrated areas and then they ended up being able to preserve their culture a little bit. Then that turns into things like Santeria and a lot of people like in the Northeast about Santeria. And okay, so that's that. That's the historical part. So let's get into the more spiritual part now. So 
the one thing now, Ashley runs the Ashay shop. So you might be like, I've heard of Ashay, but what's that? Okay. So this is the definition. I love a Wikipedia article. Ashay is a Yoruba philosophy that is defined to represent the power that makes things happen and produces change in the Yoruba religion. It is believed to be given by Odunmari to everything, to gods, ancestors, spirits, humans, animals, plants, rocks, rivers, and voiced words such as songs, prayers, spirits, curses, and even everyday conversation. Existence, according to Yoruba thought, is dependent on Ashe. So it is literally like it's more than the life force because it's what makes everything in the world happen and move and change and all of that kind of stuff. And here, and Ashley, you can tell me, but I was reading other stories where I think Odumari, it says here, Odumari gives out a shea, but then I read stories where it says Eshu gives out a shea. Think of it this way. I'm going to teach you how to pronounce Olodumari. Yeah, teach me because okay. I'm not good at some Olo- of these. I'm sorry. Well, it, it takes practice, baby. I don't even pronounce my name right. So, <laughs> but it takes practice. Mm-hmm. Understand that the Yoruba language is much more complex than English. So, mm-hmm. in English, how we'll run things together and break them down. In Yoruba, you're not going to see that because everything means something. Olo, yeah. O-L-O means owner. Ade means of creation. He is the, this is the owner of creation. And we oh, all know that when the owner of creation started creating, they ain't stop with us. <laughs> yes. So, Olo, do, mare. Olo, do, do mare. See, so, yeah. Go ahead, I'm sorry. <laughs> Olo, do, mare comes down and creates everything, right? But then in creating everything, Olo, do, mare creates the Orisha. The Orisha are manifestations of God, the way God manifests, right? Mm-hmm. Is a divine messenger, is a divine mm-hmm. trickster. Obatala mm-hmm. is the king of the Orisha. Yemaya is the mother of the Orisha. So we see Ashebi can be bestowed by every Orisha. And Orisha will bless you with their Ashe, right? That breath you have, mm-hmm. every breath you take, that first breath you took was God's breath. That was a gift from God. So even though God is distant, and I've got to ask you a question. I'm going I'm to I'm test you. Okay. So reach it, is it that's there when you take your first breath? And it's not issue. It's not? Because that's what the first thing I was going to say. Okay. Let me not look at my notes because I don't think I wrote that down anyway. It doesn't matter. Um, <laughs> I don't know. You have to tell me because I don't know. It's Oya. Okay. All right. Okay. And which Orisha is with you when you take your last breath? It's Oya. Oya. Yes. <laughs> energy is the energy of change. And you're changing when you're born from being a spiritual to being a physical being. And then when you die, you're changing again from being a physical being to go back into the spiritual. Mm-hmm. So all of the Orisha have and will bestow their ashe and they're all present in your life. But Eshu, Eshu is Eshu. And Eshu is Ilegua, and Ilegua is Eshu. And you can try to understand it, but you're going to end up with a headache. Eshu, yeah. 
<laughs> if he's one Orisha that can do whatever he wants, Eshu mm-hmm. can make a woman fertile, he can make her barren. Eshu can help people to listen and build them up and make them kings, and Eshu can destroy your whole life. Mm-hmm. Eshu is the path. Eshu isn't just the guardian of the gate, Eshu is the gate. So it's like in order for you to get to what you need to get to, for you to get to that Ashe, you need Eshu there anyway. Yes. It makes perfect sense. And actually, we're gonna actually our story when we later on our story is about Eshu. So I'm glad that we picked him. Uh, I picked him because I from everything I've read, it's like he is the entrance and like you said to everything. So if people want to learn, let's talk about him. Before we get into our story, we're gonna go through some of the more popular okay. The other thing about Orishas is technically there's thousands of orishas i'm gonna talk about the more the ones that are more popular like we'll say it like that but there's thousands of them that represent every little thing in We're life the influences of the um transatlantic slave trade and the the cattle slavery mm-hmm. is that we lost and not just the yoruba people but you have entire civilizations of african cultures that are going Entire mm-hmm. religious makeups that are gone, entire cultures that are gone because of cattle slavery. And while the Yoruba people took a huge hit, they, and you're right, it was logged that there were thousands of Orisha logged before colonialism came in. There are said to be officially 401 Orisha, and the other offspring that you get are paths of the major Orisha. But people, mm-hmm. I was talking to a West African Babalao, and he was saying literally it's about 30 that people mm. still honor and can name off top, but you really don't hear many outside of your big tent. Yeah. So I will see who you about to name off, but I want to throw that little okay. piece of <laughs> but No, you- that's good to know. That's good to know. So the first one, so I'm just going to describe them and... Of course, Ashley, you tell me everything you want to input because these are short descriptions. I'll I'll add a little to you. Yeah. (laughs) The first one is Eshu. Eshu, also referred to Eshu Elegua, or just some people just say Elegua. He's the owner of the roads. In most cultures around the world, we have this crossroads image. There's always somebody who's at the crossroads. Elegua is at the crossroads. He's like Ashley said earlier, he's a keeper. He is the gate between this world and the spirit world. That's literally his job. He can choose, like she said, to bless you. And you'll see in our story later, we talk about that. To bless you, to. He's a trickster. But the thing about tricksters, at least like I noticed with Ed, even a Nancy too, their tricksterism is not like. It's, he's just, this is just their job. They're not trying to be like evil, and a lot. And we talk about this too. A lot of stuff in West, different West African cultures, I've found, is that there's not this big thing between like this is bad and this is good. Everything is gray, and everything is both. Like it's a very non-binary system. Every god, goddess, deity has a great side when they're great, and has a side of them that you don't want to piss off. That's mm-hmm. just even. And we'll talk about it. even Oshun. Everybody loves to talk. Oshun can get mad too. But if you piss her off, if you break a promise, she's not messing with you anymore. So but anyway, we'll get to that. If you forgot to put Eshu up on your altar, 
if you done been mm-hmm. off to old shoe and you didn't put S-U nowhere on there, which what you doing? <laughs> you can't get to anybody exactly without S-U. That is the, that's the fact. Well, one thing you're going to notice about S-U geographically is you'll see Elegua is used more in American-based practices, whereas mm-hmm. if you see Isheshe, which is an Ifa-based, Nigerian-based Ifa practice, they mm-hmm. use Eshu more. You, and okay. I've noticed that with a lot of stories I come across, but while we talking about it, you know I got to say it, Papa Legba mm-hmm. is not an Orisha, y'all. Papa Legba is a Loa. That yes. is a different energy. Eshu and Ilegwa are the same. But they're mm-hmm. also different. And when we talk about good and evil, think about the fact that everything you do in Elegua teaches Elegua issue teaches us that we have a choice in everything that we do. So imagine the colonizer coming and they making a decision to do something that's wrong. So mm-hmm. to take accountability off of themselves to say, I didn't do it. The devil made me do it. Yes. I don't have to be accountable for my behavior. I'm just going to say the devil tempted me into doing stuff I had no business doing. Mm-hmm. That's where Eshu's energy gets twisted because Eshu says these are the paths, this is the choice. You got to be accountable for the choice that you make. I'm sorry I interrupted you. I could No, not. you can always interrupt. This is for this is our talk. Okay. Um, <laughs> we have his colors are red, black, white and black and they that part of that is codifying his contradictory nature because he is, he can choose to bless you. He can choose, choose to not do that, whatever he feels like, because he's that powerful. He stands at the crossroads. He's a messenger to Olorun, who is the God who answers your prayers and stuff. He brings the prayers up. Olodumare and Olorun are often used interchangeably. Olo okay. Dumare, meaning the owner of creation, and Olo Orun, because Orun mm-hmm. means what? Heaven. So Olo Rune, the owner of heaven. And a lot of times people use that interchangeably, and a lot of Americans, we use Olo Rune because it's hard for us to pronounce Olo Dumare. Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> that's 100% true. So also, so the way Eligua can be honored is with offerings, tobacco, rum, candy, toys, spicy foods which are believed to police him. Also, some numbers that are associated with him with issue are 3 and 21. And he is always called, like Ashley said, he must be called before you call other Arishas because he's the one who opens the gate. So if nobody's opened the gate, they can't talk to you. So he has to be honored first. I remember when yes. I first learned about the Orisha girl and I didn't know how to make offerings to issue. I went to Popeye's and got a two-piece spicy. Okay. <laughs> with a biscuit <laughs> and I went to the crossroads and I was like yes you I don't know what I'm doing please take this offering because they said spicy food I left that for that two piece spicy with that red beans with a bottle of rum I don't know if S you got it but I know that homeless man who be on the block was <laughs> he ate well that day in the energy of children, we see Eshu in the energy of the elderly, and we especially see Eshu's energy in the energy of the homeless, the people mm-hmm. who help, who are vagrant and vagabonds. That's where we see his energy shining nowadays, because especially with the number of homeless people running around here, mm. maybe they got cities. They got cities. Mm. I know. 
this okay. case. So the next one we got Ogun. This is another one I think, again, people think a lot of in the binary. And now that I've, I'm learning so much about different cultures, I've learned to not think in the binary so much. People think Ogun and we'll get to Shango too are like bad, mean. Like for some reason, like, oh, they're mean. Ogun isn't mean. He's just not worried about dumb shit because he's like, things need to get done. Like I am the god of literally working. Like I work all the time. He's the god of iron, the god of war. And again, because he's the god of war, it doesn't mean he's bad. If war happens, it's not his fault it happens, but he's the god of war. And he's also the god of labor, literally work. So he's constantly working. They also now, with technology, they say he's the god of technology because he's the one who propagates it and like brings it forth. He's always working. He's always doing he uses he clears the road with his machete his numbers are seven and his colors are green and black he gets offerings of red wine palm oil he also really loves dogs so they also say if you give offerings to dogs you're also giving offerings to ogun and ogun actually likes offerings of dog he actually oh okay dog like cut the get the do what you do with the dog it means mm. energy down. So if Ogun is coming through with you really hot, they gonna tell you to sacrifice a dog. So I'm sorry, Fifi. Y'all know you're gonna have to go. If it comes down, if Ogun asks for it, I ain't gonna hesitate. Peter, come get me. Not Fifi. <laughs> Not I'm sorry. Fifi. I'm petty. My ex got a dog, baby. We can sacrifice a dog, baby. We can gotta go. <laughs> oh, no, no, Fifi. Poor Fifi. Um... But Ogun gives a really bad rap, but people don't talk about the fact that Ogun is the foundation of civilization. He mm -hmm. is the Orisha of iron. He is the Orisha of innovation. Without Ogun, civilization wouldn't have happened. They don't talk about the fact that Ogun is king, and they always, y'all, Ogun is the energy that controls our heart chakra because we, what you doing a job that you hate. You're yeah. miserable, but when you're doing a job that you love, you take pride in it. You put honor in it. It doesn't feel like work, and that's the energy of Ogun, working tirelessly, not to pay bills, but to bring honor mm -hmm. to yourself and to your family because Ogun really reminds us what work is really for. Mm -hmm. Yeah, mm. I love Ogun, y'all. Y'all don't I do too. understand. That energy right there, because I literally, I resonate with Ogun so much because I'm the brokenhearted girl. Mm -hmm. I'm the girl that literally, if you, baby, if it's a way to get cheated on, I'd have been cheated on that week. I know. And we see that energy with Ogun where he's always loving so hard just to end up alone. But y'all know Ogun had like, what, a thousand wives and like 1,400 children. He yeah, like mad girls. He wasn't that yeah, long. He, <laughs> I like in my so I don't I'm not an initiate of any um ATRs or DCRs, but in my like shamanic practice, we I work with a lot of different spirits. I love working with Ogun because he usually comes in when I need to break some bad shit up. He doesn't have a problem doing it. We get along. I adore him. Like I think he's fantastic at his job. And he's, I don't know, I like Ogun. So I feel like he gets a bad rap. I like Ogun a lot. I work with him and I, we always have successful results. 
Like, have a good time. Like, think about the person who, when it's an ugly job, it's a dirty job, it's a job. Well, I'm not doing that because I'm pretty. Yeah. yeah those moments. That's when you need the energy of Ogun. Mm-hmm. When yeah. it's the ugly job, it's the dirty job. Ogun lives in the energy of the mechanic. He lives the energy of the guys who ride around on the back of the jump truck who I'll be like, y'all want a Heineken? Y'all, I yeah. learned all of nice to the men on the back of y'all trash truck. Because yeah. trust them people out, we couldn't find our trash can for a week. That's their energy. That's the, the energy of the police officer, the energy mm-hmm. of the security guard, the energy of the blue collar worker. That yes. Ogun, like his energy, you, without Ogun's energy, and people be wanting to forget about Ogun, baby, without Ogun energy, we wouldn't have nothing. Yeah, exactly. Not even my seven water bottle. <laughs> <laughs> Someone's got to do it. <laughs> so then next we have, and and this is, I'm going to say, this is a Orisha that I was not very familiar with at all. Except from your stories that I hear when you tell them on Instagram. Ochosi? Am I, I saying that right? Saying, you have to do Ochosi after Ogun. Why? Mm-hmm. They brought us. They live together. Yeah. They're besties. And I didn't know all of this. Ochosi is the third member of the group, at least in this group that I wrote down. And he's known as the warrior. Oh, a third member of the group known as the Warriors. I'm sorry. Mm-hmm. And is received along with Eshu, Ogun, and Oshun in order to protect Osun. 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 I'm sorry. Is the staff of Orumila. Oshun. Oh, okay. The- I'm sorry. The Because we don't get a lot of the African pronunciation, they mm-hmm. spell it almost the same, but it's Osun. Okay. Yes. I'm sorry about that. Um, yeah. I'm going to teach. I know. Thank you. In order to protect the warriors' initiates and to open and clear their roads, Ochosi is a hunter and a scout of the Orishas and assumes the role of translator for Abatala, with whom he has a very close relationship. His colors are blue and yellow, and he likes offerings of... Wow, I spelled that wrong. Pomegranate, smoked, fussed. I think I spelled that wrong, everybody, so I apologize. I'm not sure what that is. But... Pomegranates. We have that one spelled right. Okay, so that's Ochosi. And we have Obatala? Wait, with Ochosi. Oh, yeah, go ahead. Being is shamanic practices, you're going to see Ochosi's energy very heavily with a lot of your Native American be- deities because Ochosi mm-hmm. is the archer and the hunter. Ochosi is the bodyguard. You remember when Beyonce bodyguard got mad and started snitching and telling all of her business? And I said, damn, they don't yes. Ochosi. Oh, yeah. <laughs> That's the energy of Ochosi. Ochosi is the bodyguard. Ochosi is the person who doesn't have no problem saying, I'll go first, I'll do it. Mm-hmm. And with that energy, you get the energy of protection. So Ochosi and Ogun are very close. Mm-hmm. Because, baby, that one right there, don't forget, don't y'all, when y'all praying for, and think of the warriors this way. Elegua mm-hmm. opens the way and lets you know that it's a path there. Ochosi finds the path and Ogun clears the way. Mm-hmm. And then after Ogun clears the way, it's the big mouth white rooster named Osun who gonna come through and be like, y'all, they got a path over here. <laughs> <laughs> yes. So you're oh, going to the line next? Yes. <laughs> 
So my quick story about Obatala is I did this ritual when I was doing my shamanic training and we all had to do this journey and it was very intense. Like it's a shamanic journey is like a really intense trance. So we did this trance and I didn't know anything about Obatala at this point. I woke up in a field, all right, in a field and it was dark. And then I look up and there's this very older looking black man all dressed in white. And he's like beckoning me to follow him. I don't know who this guy is, but I'm in spirit right now. So whatever, like I'm just doing whatever they tell me to do. I get up and wherever this man walks, he's wearing a field and it's dark. But wherever he walks, all the flowers around him turn like a bright, vibrant neon blue. And Mm. I'm like, I don't know who this dude is, but he's important because he's like, walk in and then i see people around us bowing down to him so i don't know who he is but i'm like all right i guess i'm following this my new uncle because everybody seems to like him a lot he seems really nice and then later on i learned about a lot of other things happened but then later on i learned about obatala and i was like oh i think that's who that was right my elders told me that and it made sense to me Mm-hmm. Well, in order for us to call down Orishas as an initiate, we learn that there's a lot going on for these Orishas to be called down. Mm-hmm. Whereas in our dreams, it's not always the Orisha, but it's a spirit exemb- resembling the Orisha because that's what we need. We need yeah. that energy of Yamaya. We need that energy of Obatala. So our Egun, our, our Egbe come through with that energy and bring that to us because they're like the only way for Orisha really to come down is for uh, them to be called down during ritual. Mm-hmm. And that made a lot of sense to me. And I'm like, so you mean I'm not dreaming about Oshun for real? Because I really think that's what you're doing in my dreams. And we be doing the money dance with the money raining on us in the dreams. And my elder, she was like, no, Ashley, no. <laughs> it's not like that. And I'm just like, <laughs> well, Bantelot is another one of those really important Orisha. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Absolutely. So... He's the father of all of the Orisha and all of people. So like Ashley had said earlier, Ogun makes things, but Obatala made humanity. He was like, I'm going to make the world because I'm that creative. So he did it. With Olderun's blessing, he was like, go make the universe and stuff. And he's like, great. So he did. He's the source of all that's pure, wise, and peaceful, compassionate. Um, He has a warrior side. His color is white. He is the only Orisha that has both male and female paths. His favorite offerings are things that are white, like milk, sugar, powdered eggshells, rice, white flour, shea butter, and things that are also seen that are used for cleansing or purification, like soaps and things like that. The white Uh, shea butter, y'all, not the yellow shea butter. Yes, white, absolutely. Like I said, everything is white with him. And it's important to note that alcohol should never be offered to Abbasala as he is not, he doesn't drink alcohol. He doesn't That's take why that. he ended up with them two children. Yes, I know that. I think I know that from you. <laughs> I was watching one of your videos and you're talking about that. I ended up with that two children. 
<laughs> yeah, that's his thing. So he was like, actually, I'm going to stay away from alcohol. <laughs> not my thinking. He's anymore. messing up his life. He's like, you yeah. weren't supposed to be drinking alcohol, and Nana Baruch will come over to talk about you want something to drink. <laughs> Child. I know. Now he's so, he child support. <laughs> exactly. So what we got. We got Oya, who we started to talk about before. She's the ruler of the winds, um, storms, and gates of the cemetery. Her number is nine, and she's also referred to as the mother of nine, and she rules over the realm of the dead. She is, her color is maroon, and she is, okay, that's not right, but that's fine. She's a fierce warrior, and she rides into war with Shango, who we'll talk about later. And she was once the wife of Ogun. One note about marriages when it comes to Orishas. And Ashley knows a lot about more about this than me. It gets complicated about who is married to who or who sometimes is just dating who or who is just sleeping That's with who. That's because y'all nosy and y'all are <laughs> Or y'all be trying to create some type of drama. But think of it this way. The Orisha are immortal. And not immortal being that they live they live lives and they don't die, but immortal being that they live multiple human experiences. So mm-hmm. the same Yamaya who was Ogun's mother is not the same Yamaya who was Ogun's wife. Yeah. Mm-hmm. The same Oshun that was married to Orumila is not the same Oshun that's married to Shago. You see what I'm saying? Yeah. And yes. when it comes to this Orisha Oya, Oya is the guardian of the cemetery. She mm-hmm. guards the cemetery, making sure that the people who go in there are actually dead. Because <laughs> you got to... <laughs> Don't ask me why lost people is trying to go into the, the, the world of the dead, but... I'm just imagining her just be like looking at them be like, are you breathing? Get out of here, man. Get out of here. <laughs> you don't want to be here anymore. Look, Iku, and once you see death, once you see Iku, you run off, just like Shango. <laughs> but you have three major Orishas who really work in a cemetery. Or y'all being the main one, you have Yewa who watches over the bodies and makes sure they get buried right. And if they don't get buried right, she eat them. And then you got Wuku. <laughs> I don't know how to put that without I'm like, what do you mean she eats them? Watch Ashley's Instagram and you'll learn more. <laughs> but then you have Nana Baru who controls the Egoons. Nana Baru mm-hmm. has control over the Egoons, meaning the dead and the ancestors, which means that she could look at you and be like, I ain't feeling you. Y'all sicker. <laughs> or Yah is actually the owner of the marketplace. And think mm-hmm. about how women haggle and we set the price and we make sure. our goods. That's her true home. She was Shango's wife, but there's never any record of her actually living with him. Yeah. She always <laughs> she, they was together, but she always had her own place. She always had her own house. Oya is known for being married to a few Orisha, including Ochosi. She had a little fling with Eshu. She was with the few Orisha. <laughs> She's a free woman. She's you a know, free, strong I woman. I can talk about that because we all have experience. Yeah. <laughs> There's nothing wrong with it. It's fine. She's just living her best life. Yeah. I'm proud of her. 
But one we... of the colors are all the colors of the rainbow, and she wears nine colors for the nine children that she lost. You'll mm. see a strong similarity between the story of Oya and the story of Erzuli Dantor, the Vudun Loa. Okay. Look, like, like, literally, look at that story. You're going to think it's the same energy. Okay. All right. Yeah. I got to check that out. So... Some of her offerings were are flowers, fruits, wine, eggplants, because it's like one of her colors. And she is really powerful and she's known as like a warrior woman kind of god, like very powerful. Very and a different the different energy to Oshun. Now everybody, a lot of people know Oshun because of Beyonce, right? Because she did that performance and she dressed all in yellow with the crown and people are like, Oh my god, Beyonce is Oshun. Yeah, so people really like Oshun, especially because she's, like, which I love Oshun. Oshun is, like, my girl, for real. But, like, I also, and Oshun and Oya, they don't really get along. But, like, I just want everybody to also like Oya because she's, like, super strong and she's, like, her own. You don't only have to like them more. And let's also get into the fact that Oshun is not only just, like, soft and, like, feminine. Like, she's very powerful in her own right and she Oshun uses her sexuality. Yeah, yes. the warrior in her own right. And Oshun and, o- and o- Oya, it's not that they don't get along. You have this introduction of this beef between Oshun and Oya that comes about when Christianity starts getting introduced to Africa. We have to be aware of Christian and colonize, colonizers' influence on Western, on African traditions and African beliefs. You don't mm-hmm. see stories of these two beefing come out until you start seeing them colonized. That's why most of the stories of them arguing come from Lakumi or Santeria, which are American-based Ifa practices. That's where you see the deepest of those stories. And mm. a lot of the stories in Isheshe, it was actually Oya who saved Oshun's son. If mm. it was even like that, why she ain't just let her child die? Yeah. You mm. said these two are actually sisters. And the conflict between them... One is either one over a man or two because they both strong-willed. Yeah. But even though, no, you cannot, that don't mean do not put them on the altar together, but don't be so quick to view them as enemies because sometimes we're just different. The girl who's more laid back and chill is not going to get along with the bougie girl who drinks her tea with her pinky up. Yeah. It's not happening. It's not happening. Exactly. And she is said to be the youngest or the smallest of the Orisha, but she has saved the people many a time. Like, she's gone down there and been like, I'll handle this shit. Like, everyone else is, I'm going to be the one to do it. They always found her out. They always like, Oshun, what are you going to do? And Oshun's like, I'm going to fly to heaven and save all of you. (laughs) And then like, okay, we'll be here when you get back. Exactly. And she does it all the time. She's really great. Her colors are yellow, gold. Her number's five. She had peacocks and vultures are hers. And she likes orange or yellow things like orange fruits, pumpkin. She really likes honey, honey, bees. She loves that stuff. So we love her. She has once she fa- once guys, literally, Oshun used her sensuality to save the world. Because one day, this, we're not going to go into this story, watch Ash's channel. One day, Ogun got tired of everybody, and he said, I'm going to stop working. So Oshun had to go in the woods and just be cute. 
And he's like, what's going on there? And he had to, she had to lure him out of the woods just by being cute. <laughs> How strong the version of that story they give is very PG-13. I'll, oh, I do too. <laughs> I'll read that story, and you know me. I'm going to read the same story from different perspectives to mm -hmm. try to get a greater understanding of it. So she went in there. <laughs> so she went in there with this sheer gold fabric over her and nothing but a jar of honey. Yeah, she sure did. <laughs> he came out the woods real quick. Yeah. <laughs> We love her for it. But they don't Since talk about the fact that Ogun and Oshun was married. Yes. And then also, and like you mentioned before, then Oshun was married to Shango. And then Ogun and Shango had a, like a problem. And like, again, this is what I'm talking about. There's a lot of relational stuff going on here. It's not important, guys, but it is. And it's just fun, honestly. Like, when you read about okay, it, it's fun. this one story, because everybody talk about how Shango stole Ogun's wife. But don't yes. know. Everybody skips over that Pataki, which I found. Because I'm nosy. <laughs> Why Ogun and Ochosi decided they was going to steal Shango's wife? <laughs> and they ended up stealing their man's wife. And then they going to sit back and act like... I don't know why Shango doesn't like us. Y'all know exactly what I'm playing. Like, we could have ignored this. That well, yeah, I'll dig deeper, especially when it comes to the Patakis, because it's the Patakis, and it's the stories that help us to understand the Orisha and how they live through us. But like I said, they stole that. They plotted together to steal that man's wife. So everybody talk about how Shango stole y'all from Ogun. They not trouble him and his brother Ochozi said, "Man, I'm trying to get with his wife." He was like, "Shit, bro, are you too?" Man, <laughs> man, all right, dog, all right, dog, I got you. Like, <laughs> we don't talk about that. You always got a catchback, just like oh, soon went into the woods and rescued Ogun. Did we mention the fact that she was probably naked when she walked up in there? <laughs> Completely naked, just honey, all about over. Honey. <laughs> Baby, if y'all are healthy and you're healthy and balanced, how you supposed to be as women? Yeah, honey. <laughs> Not a problem. And I was sit that right there, because if y'all like, I, what's she talking about, honey? I need you to balance your pH, and we could finish this conversation later, baby. <laughs> you know when you your pH is balanced and you hydrated, straight honey. Talked about she went up in there with a jar of honey, <laughs> some, some scalds on. That must be ancient Marjorie. It was. It was. And they were like, sometimes we tell these stories in front of the kids. So let's just be, let's calm it down a little bit. <laughs> we can't be really saying what we're trying to say. Before I tell stories in front of kids, I let parents know it's your responsibility to explain certain concepts to your children. Yeah. I'm not a mother. <laughs> Really knew when you came over here with me. Because I'm sitting here looking at you and looking at your child and looking at you and looking at your child. Like, I'm going to have to take these last full stories off the list. And we can't tell that one. <laughs> it's a whole bunch of, it's a whole gang of them that, like, yo, kids. <laughs> oh, I forgot also to do one. <laughs> I forgot to mention. Ocean is the, I don't think I said this, and she is the also the ruler of Sweetwater. So this is like not salt waters. So you got rivers, streams, and waterfalls 
I didn't want to forget because I was like, wait, uh, I didn't mention that important thing. Good way to channel Oshun's energy before you get off out the shower. Turn the hot water down. Mm. Your spiritual bath should not be piping hot. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Especially if you're doing an Oshun bath. You doing an Oshun bath. She cools, she heals with her cool, sweet water. <laughs> I should turn it down. It's it's, it's bubbling. If I get in there, I'm going to be a cook. I'm going to say this one more time. Oshun heals with her cool, sweet (laughs) waters. Oh, God. Don't make me laugh. (laughs) Speaking of another water goddess, we got Yemaya. She is the mom to all, and she is the ruler over the seas. Um, and her name literally means the mother whose children are the fish. Um, and one thing I read, and I didn't realize this, and it makes so much sense. So for all the life started in the sea, and the amniotic fluid inside the mother's womb is a form of sea where the embryo must transform and evolve through the form of a fish. Yeah, kind of. Before becoming a human baby. In this way, Yemaya displays herself as truly the mother of everyone. Like, which mm-hmm. is so cool. I love that. She's seven skirts of blue and white. And she's like, sometimes you see her depicted literally as like a mermaid figure that you would normally see. But sometimes you just see her in blue and white skirts. And she's always very beautiful and very, she looks like a woman, like very feminine. She really loves perfume, shells, fish, jewelry. And she's always usually depicted in the water. Then we got the two. We'll get, I'm going to get the two because I do want to get to this story. I'm so you know sorry I'm taking long. No, your mother is one of the only female Orishas you really don't hear about getting cheated on. Yeah, it's almost like, a, to me, she's more of like an auntie energy. Like, that's how I look at her, more of an auntie energy. So people really like respect her a little bit more. I don't. It was yeah. Yemaya who gave birth to the sixteen major Orishas. It was Yemaya who raised Oshun's kids when she didn't want them. It was Yemaya when Nana Baruku decided that Babalu Aie was too ugly to raise. It was Yemaya who raised him. So she gives that rich auntie energy. But she also gives that caring maternal energy because while Yamaya is the amniotic fluid, Oshun is the womb and Oya is the air when you catch your first breath. Wow, I love how they all work together like that. That's so cool. I love that. So then we got Shango. Again, Shango is like, and I wrote it here. He's one of like the more popular ones. Everybody seems to love Shango. Like when you ask people about Orishos, they're like, yeah, Shango. That seems to be the one everybody knows. That's fine. It's all fun and games until he's cheating on you. Everybody thinks you're <laughs> a knight in shining armor because he's the Kawol Kabayesi, the Alasi. If you look in your history, <laughs> Nigerian history, Nigerian entities are some of the only that you actually see in the historical records. However, the way that Shango is painted as this knight in shining armor, and yeah. he's amazing, and he's the king. And like I said, it's all fun and games till he's cheating on you. The, Shango, to me, is the guy you meet, and like, yeah, he's super handsome. And the day you meet him, he's like, I want to marry you. Like, I do, you would look so good in a wedding dress. Like, you're so beautiful. And you're like, yeah, thanks. Like, great. 
but like he's telling everybody that (laughs) yeah i was gonna say i tried that once and after like two years of therapy i'm fine i know (laughs) wait that's Chago. He's like, he's, is he a bad dude really deep down? No. No. But is he just going to go do his own thing? Yeah. Like, like, like with down. any person, whether you're mm-hmm. gauging off of Zodiac signs or with Risha, who is your hit, if you're in an imbalanced, impure energy, you on demon time anyway. Like a child of old ghoul can be your savior. Or a child of old ghoul can be the reason you're checking yourself into a psych hospital because he will get you there. Y'all be talking about Obatala because Obatala hold y'all head. Y'all ever seen the angry child of Obatala? Yeah. Don't do it. (laughs) Don't do it. You won't understand why Obatala's children are special. Okay. But when children of Shango are balanced, you see really great things coming from them. But when you have an unbalanced child of Shango... Yeah, it doesn't seem great. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> Go ahead like... and call the psychiatrist, the psychologist, <laughs> and the therapist. You're not, you're going to need a treatment team. He's, so he rules over lightning, thunder, fire, dancing, drums. So he's a party. He's a, he's a good time. He's a business um, guy, too. He rules over business in the aspects of corporate business. Okay, that makes yes, sense. That makes a lot of sense. He's really smart, he's, but he's got a quick temper, and he's the epitome, and this is another reason I think he's popular. He's, like, the epitome of, like, masculinity and virility. Like, people associate that with him. He's, again, there's a lot of the marriage stuff going on. We talked a lot about that. I'm not going to keep going on about it. Um, he's also extremely hot-blooded, extremely, like, quick, like I said, quick to anger, if that's what's going on but he also enjoys all the pleasures in life, like we were just talking about. Ladies, drumming, partying, eating, music. He usually, he can be super good friends with Eshu. Him and him, they, they get along well. He or, is, I don't know, because yeah. I saw this story where Sean Go, Eshu was asking for help, and Sean Go was like, I'll help you, and never came back. <laughs> But think of Sean Go's energy because we think of him as being quick temper, but think of different aspects of our temper. He's got losing his temper for no reason. He's the exactly. king. He expects for people to do what they say and say what they're going to do. So it's mm-hmm. not that he's a short temper. He has a low tolerance for people not doing what they're expected to do. Yeah. Yeah, no, that makes perfect sense. So, though he so he traded a table of Ifa to Orumila, who we're going to talk about is going to be our last but not least in exchange for the gift of dance. So his children have the innate ability for divination, have an innate ability for divination. I'm sorry, he's a king. He was incarnated as a king at one time, and his favorite offerings can be like a sugar copper, red food, spicy food. And things that, like, make you hot-blooded and make you ready to go. Five-hour energy, I'm sure he would accept. So he's closely associated also with drumming and dancing and music and rituals and ceremonies. 
And then oh, where and I want to add this because people yeah. will try to give Shango rum. Shango, you don't usually take alcohol or tobacco. Oh, okay. Now because I know. The so. of Obatala, his origins, Shango's origins are a little, we, we, they got questions. But he doesn't usually take alcohol or tobacco. And it's the same how you see with 50 Cent, how 50 Cent sells liquor. And he owns these liquor brands, but he don't drink. Yeah, okay. It's a control thing. Okay, makes sense. Makes sense. Okay. Then we got Arumila, <clears throat> who is a god of the Orisha of wisdom and divination. He's the only Orisha allowed to witness. He was the only Orisha allowed to witness the creation of the universe by Olorun and bears witness to our destinies in the making. His priests are the Babalaos and the, can you say it for me again? Because I forgot to say it already. The women. There we go. Those are his priests and his priestesses, and they must devote themselves in entirety to divination. It takes this is it's like a intense thing to learn the divination process. It's very unique. His colors are green and yellow, and they reflect his relationship with the Osain. Osain. Osain, who is the yeah. of the herbs and herbal medicines, and he has a very close relationship with Oshun, and. Uh, uh, uh. His offerings include cola nuts, fish, goats, where they have to be a lady goat, hen, and cassava and yam, and um, edu, which is a soup. And he's also associated with palm nuts and ifa beet, like those red beads you might see if you look up like people, Yoruba tradition doing weddings and stuff, and they wear a lot of like coral beads. He's associated with that. Okay. Uh, you mentioned Arumila and Oshun, and you know that. Or for Arumila to be the Orisha of wisdom, he is always sleeping with somebody else. <laughs> like, I thought we wasn't supposed to be doing adultery. And Arumila said, no, we're not supposed to do adultery, so I'm going to divine first. <laughs> like, what the? And when I tell you he was sleeping with... Who he was sleeping with? He was sleeping with Aze Shaluga when she was married to Olokun. No, she was sleeping with Olokun when Olokun was married to Agaju. He was sleeping mm. with Aze Shaluga when she was married to somebody else. He divorced Oshun and married Yamaya and went and cheated with Oshun in the pumpkin patch while Yamaya was inside, honey. And I'm like, for the Orisha of divination, baby, he's be doing some stuff and people always be like I don't know that much about Arumi and I'd be like you don't need to know that much he's very for me is very wise because <laughs> the one thing he haven't done is got caught sleeping with somebody wife and Arumi like always sleep with somebody wife honey always <laughs> or tricking somebody into marrying him this man stuck up in the, in the roof of the palace and was dropping beer and stuff down Oshun down on Oshun to trick her into marrying him <laughs> can i tell you that honestly when i see your page on instagram it's just like orisha reality show where the way you first of all the way you tell the stories are always funny like even when you're telling serious stories you still make me laugh like like i'm like, so serious because I, I feel and i'm like and it's like when you see people online all the time i'm like i feel like you're calling me like girl you want to hear something and i'm like yes 
<laughs> Help me. My hypothesis behind that is people are going to remember things that either make them laugh or make them cry. Mm-hmm. And I'm going to make you do both. Yeah. Yeah. At some point, that. you're going to get both from me because there are some stories where we be like, we're just all going to cry together. Yeah. And then there's some stories where we are like, girl, did you just see what had happened? Did it go down? Hold on, Ashley, read the last paragraph again. Because it, even when I'm like reading stories out loud to people and I'm not just giving them my version of my rendition of it and like, no, I'm going to read it how they said it. It's yeah. still funny. Because my every time, like, love trying to be serious. I don't it's know. Wild. How. It's so funny. <laughs> okay, so now we'll, I'm so glad we got to go. This is great because this is our introdu- introduction to the Orishas, and we're going to tell more stories, but this is our first story, and it's not that long, everybody, so don't worry. So, our story, like I said at the beginning, our story is about Eshu, and I'm so glad that we got to talk about him. I, okay, so Ashley talked about Patakis before. These are different stories about the Orishas, and there are different versions of different Patakis, but generally they're the same, and they're just, there's so many stories. There's a lot, and you'll always hear lots of different ones, and if you want to hear different Patakis, check out Ashley's page. She tells them all the time. So here's one story, and this story is about Eshu. So let's get into it. At this point now, just imagine right now, picture it. We're at a point where all the Orishas are living in the Sky Kingdom. The world is a thing. It's already been created by Obatala. But as she was like, I really actually don't want to live up there. It's boring. Everything's fine all the time. So he was like, he's like, it's actually really boring. I want to live there. So he decides to live on Earth. But the thing about Earth is he realizes that like when he was playing pranks, he's a, a trickster god. When he was playing prank, pranks on the other Orishas, they didn't care that much. They got over it really quick. Why? Because they're gods. It's not a big deal to them. And they could all laugh about it. But as you realize, when he played pranks on humans, they were always pissed off. And they always just were in chaos. And they'd get upset. And it would ruin their lives. And he's like, wow, that's not that fun. Because they're not getting the joke. I'm telling a joke, right? So he doesn't know what to do. One day, he sees the area where the sun and the moon live. And he's in this area. So he sees how the sun and the moon relate. So this particular day, the sun is coming down from being the sun all day. And he, let's, this, in this story, we're just going to make the sun a he and the moon a she, because that's how I heard the story. Mm-hmm. The sun sees his best friend, who's the moon. They live on opposite sides of the road. And he's like, hey, moon, what's up, girl? And moon is a little bit of a downer, but that's just her personality. She's just like, hey, what's up? What's good? And he's like, oh my God, it was so crazy. I was up in the sky all day. It was wild. The humans, they were just out there. And the moon is like, oh my God, I wish I could be in the sky during the day and see what the humans do. Like night is boring. They're all sleeping. It's, it's really ridiculous. So sun is like, oh no, it's okay. You're super important though. You control the tides and all that stuff. And moon is okay, whatever. So also important to note, this will come up later. Sun's house is like a little shack. It's a little small, but he doesn't care. It doesn't bother him. Moon has a big, beautiful, gorgeous house, right? It's fine. That'll come up later, remember. So anyway, Ashu is like noticing what's going on. And he's like, I can cause trouble here. I'm gonna do this. So he observes them for a couple days. One day comes where once again, the sun's coming down and the moon's coming out. And she's like, hey, sun. He's like, hey, what's up? They're chit-chatting, and here goes a shoe walking down the road, and he quickly turns away from them, and they're like, who's that? 
but it's just the two of them. So they're like, who's that? We've never seen this other person. Then all of a sudden he comes on the other side of the road and starts talking to them. And he's like, hey. And they're like, hi, who are you? And he's like, I'm a shoe. I'm the great a shoe. Don't you know who I am? And they're like, no. Yeah. <laughs> we don't know who you are. And they start laughing to themselves about a personal joke. And he's like, he starts to get pissed off because they're telling a joke about something. He doesn't understand the inside joke. Now he's angry. He's like, they don't know who I am. They don't want to give me offerings. They don't want to, you know, do anything for me. They're laughing to themselves, these assholes, right? So Eshu is pissed. And he's like, I'm going to ruin their lives now. <laughs> now he's, don't make me mad. All right. So next day, he's like, this is what we're going to do. He's talking to himself. He goes and he gets some clothes. He looks crazy in these clothes. He gets a hat. He paints one half of the hat green. He paints the other half of the hat red. He goes walking down the same road between the sun and the moon's house. Now the sun and the moon are out there talking and they see a shoe walking. They're like, oh, there's that guy again. And she's like, yeah, but this time he has a red hat on, says moon. And then sun is like, no, the hat's green. And Moon's like, no, it's red. And Sun is like, no, it's green. And first of all, stop talking to me like that. So now they're fighting because they don't know who's wrong and who's right. Sun decides to offload how he's feeling lately. He's like, Moon, you talk shit to me all the time. I don't like it. I try to be positive and you're such a Debbie Downer and you're so rude to me. And Moon is like, oh, for real? That's how you feel? I'm not speaking to you. Moon goes up into the sky and Sun goes in to go to sleep. Fine. Now, <laughs> it's crazy. So now, Eshu is laughing to himself like, ah, this is not the end of his plan, everybody. This is the beginning. So he's like, Grant. He goes over to Sun's house, knocks on the door. Sun's like, who the hell is that? He goes to open the door. And she's like, hey, how you doing? And he's like, hi. And he's like, so how, like, how are you doing today? Is everything okay? And he's like, if you really need to know. I'm not talking to Moon because Moon is being a real meanie and I'm not dealing with this. She's like, oh my God. He's like, you know what? I think that Moon thinks that she's better than you. And he's like, what? <laughs> he's like, yeah, I think she thinks she's better than you because she's got that big house and you've got this small house and Sun is like, I like my house. And she's like, okay, but you do way more than Moon does. Moon just goes up there and chills. You have to go up there every day and you have to make sure the crops grow and that people wake up on time and that things are happening. Oh. <laughs> so, Sam is like, you know what? Actually, that's facts. I don't want to be treated like this anymore. And the other thing about Sun that I forgot to mention is Sun is like, kind of wants to have big parties and he wants to like, be really social right but he has this tiny house so Eshu is like guess what if you had a bigger house you could have more parties you could do more stuff you could have more and he's like that's true he's like actually you know what you should live in moon's house and moon should live in your house and he's like you know what actually that's true so he's like and she was like this is what you should do go to moon's house and just go in there Start setting up, start cooking. I'm inviting my friends over. Son is like, bet? Okay. So he goes in there and he's setting the table. He's getting ready. Now, during this time, 
Moon is now coming down because her shift is ending. So Moon gets there. And as she was like, hey, Moon. And he, she's like, hey, stranger, what's up? It's you again. He's like, yeah, I just wanted to let you know that Sun broke into your house. And she's like, what? So she... Here goes Moon. She's in her house. She's stopping. And she's like, what's going on? And Sun's like, what's going on? Is that I should have this house. And she's like, but it's my house. He's like, I don't care. So she's like, oh, really? So you don't care? And he's like, yeah. And she's like, oh, so what are you going to do when you got to go back to work up in the sky? And he's like, I'm not going. She's like, fine. I'm taking over your shift. I wanted to be there during the day anyway. So he's like, okay, fine. Go. I'm not leaving your house because I'm not letting you back in this house. So he slams the door on Moon. Moon goes back up in the sky. This goes on for weeks, okay? Moon, sun is only up in the sky very short because he doesn't want Moon to go and take his house, take, right? So sun is going up there for maybe an hour or two and Moon's up there most of the time. Now, because Moon doesn't know what it's actually like during the day, she's looking down. She's seeing that the humans are sleep deprived because they're like, they're not waking up at the right time and they're like cycles all off. The crops are all soggy. They're not growing. People are angry now because they can't eat because there's no food. The animals are all confused. The water is everywhere because the tides are confused. She thinks this is normal human behavior. She has no idea. Sun is only up there for an hour or two, so the he doesn't really know what's going on either. Finally, the CEO, Olarun, calls every calls in Eshu because she knows that this is his fault. She doesn't know how. They don't know how, they don't know why, but they know that this is Eshu's fault. Olerun calls Eshu up to the Sky Kingdom. And Olerun is like, what the hell did you do? And at first he's like, nothing, I don't know. Everybody is upset and I am just watching it. And he's, Olerun's like, Eshu, I'll give you one more time. Tell me what happened. So finally he's like, fine. I was just joking. Once again, nobody gets the joke. I got Sun and Moon to hate each other and like it's not a big deal. Olderun's like, actually it is a, good, a big deal because the humans don't know what the fuck is going on and like you're destroying everything. Olderun is like, I'm calling Sun and Moon. Olderun calls Sun and Moon and they're like, okay, so what happened? And Sun is like, Moon is always talking shit about me. And Moon is like, you took my house. You broke into my house. And Olderun is like, what? And so she explains what happened, what Eshu did. And Sun is like, what? And then Olerud also says, you guys have to fix yourselves because the humans are freaking out. And Sun is like, what do you mean? And Olerud starts explaining. Do you understand? Did you see all the crops are soggy? Did you see all the humans don't know when to go to bed? Did you see all the animals? And he's like, I didn't even notice because I'm only up there for like an hour now. And Moon is like, I didn't even know that was a problem. I thought that's how humans acted all the time. And Sun is like, absolutely not. He's like, that's how humans act. They're very productive. They don't do that. They don't sleep. They don't fight like that. So then Sun and Moon are like, okay. Actually, Sun is like, look, I just want you to be nicer to me. And Moon is like, that's fair. I could be nicer to you. And Moon is like, sometimes I'm a Debbie Downer and I'm sorry. And Sun's like, I'll be a little bit more chill. And Moon's like, I'll be a little bit nicer to you. And they hug and everything's fine. Yeah, they made it up. But the story's not done because Olerun's still mad. It's like, Eshu, I don't know what I'm going to do with you, but it's late. And 
they were like, let me figure it out. And she was like, no, let's go to bed. In the morning, clear heads were pale. And Olerun's like, you're going to try to trick me. And then she was like, absolutely not, Olerun. Just like, let's go to sleep, though. Because I'm so tired. We all, we made friends again with, with the sun and the mood. Let's go to bed. Fine. Olerun's like, okay, but don't piss me off. So they go to bed. Uh, in the middle of the night, Eshu's up because, look, trickster, classic trickster, doesn't want to get punished. He's like, I know I did something wrong, but I actually don't want to deal with it. So, like, like I don't want any pro- trouble. So, Eshu's like, what can we do? He's like, okay, I'm gonna do something, but hopefully nobody figures it out. Oshun goes and takes Olerun's slippers to Olerun's garden. Olerun's garden is Olerun's favorite thing. Loves gardening. Mashes, like, puts the slippers everywhere. Olerun has big feet. So is stamping all over the place with the slippers. Takes Olerun's yams and throws them off the the side of the Sky Kingdom. So that Olerun won't be able to find them. In the morning, everybody wakes up. Olerun goes to their garden. And they flip out because where the hell are all their yams? And why is everything a mess? Shango, Obakula, Ogun, they all come by and they're like, oh shit. <laughs> what happened here? Olerun is like, Eshu, what did you do? Eshu's like, but these are your footprints, not mine. What happened? I don't know. Maybe you were sleepwalking. Olerun is the a, is a god of all. You don't think that they, they can't figure out what happened? So Olerun... Oh, also, as she was looking at Obatsala and Ogun and Shango, like, aren't you guys going to defend me? No, they're not. They're not dumb. They're like, we're not in this fight. Don't bring us into it. So, Eshu, Olerun looks at Eshu and is like, you know what? I see what your problem is. Your problem is that you don't have a purpose on Earth. You're not doing anything. So you feel lost. And all of a sudden, Eshu has a whole epiphany. He's like, you know what? Facts. I have nothing to do down there. I feel like I don't have a purpose. Ogun's got war and iron. Shango's got lightning. Obatala's got kindness. What do I got? I got nothing. So Olerun's like, no problem. This is what I'm going to do for you. Because I know you don't want to stay up here. That's no problem. Uh, You're going to be the only one who goes back and forth. And he's like, really? She's like, yes. You're going to be my messenger. I want you to go down every single day and look at the humans, write your observations, and bring me a report every day. If they're praying for stuff, I want you to come tell me what they're praying for. I want you to tell me all the goings on. And you're going to be the intermediary between me and the rest of the Orishas and the world. All of a sudden, Eshu was filled with a feeling he never had before. He was so filled with purpose. He's like, okay, this is my job. Because honestly, Eshu likes the humans. He messes with them all the time, but he likes them. So he's like, you know what? This is perfect for me. I can mess with the humans when I'm in the mood. And when I'm not, I won't. I'll just bring, their, bring up their prayers like normal. But that's how Eshu became the keeper of the gate and the actual gate. And the intermediary between the gods and people because he needed a job and he became employed. And that's why now you need to talk to him before you talk to anybody else. And that's the story of Eshu. One of the many stories. I so, have 
enjoyed that story. And it just reminds <laughs> me how we can hear the same story 20 different ways and they're mm -hmm. good every single day. <laughs> exactly. I like that story. It made me like, it was fun, but it also made me happy because I'm like, man, he really just didn't have a purpose. And he found one. Is he still tricking people? Absolutely. Like, he didn't stop. But, but like, but with fun in, in helping people to face, to really look at the decisions they have to make, is that tricking people? Because SU got a rap as being a trickster when the colonizers came in. Oh, he's trying to trick you. He's not trying to trick you. He's saying you can do the right thing or the wrong thing. The problem yeah. is you decided to do the wrong thing and think it was the right thing, and now you feel like you got tricked. You ain't get yeah. tricked. You just didn't want to do the right thing. Exactly. That's true. That is very true. Because in, 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 as a practitioner, we learned that SU's never wrong. There's nothing SU ever does that's wrong. Mm. There's rationale and there's reason behind Everything SU does, even that time he decided to murk that whole family, it was a reason. Mm. It was a reason yeah. behind him murking their whole family. But that's the energy of SU. It's not, and, and I've learned this about the Orisha. The Patakis help us to understand, but we'll never really understand them. Mm -hmm. Oh, that makes sense. Yeah. Okay. That brings us to the end of the show. This has been so freaking fun. Ashley, can you tell us where we can find you on the internet and all that good jazz? You can find me at theasheshop.com. I spell Ashe with the American spelling, A-S-H-E, theasheshop.com. You can find me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, TikTok, Grizz. I'm on pretty much every social media platform, and you can find me at the same theasheshop. If you want to learn more about the Orishas, my favorite course to teach is Understanding the Orishas, which is available on demand. And I do offer, I will be offering another live Understanding the Orisha course. Look, next month already here, baby. It's September already. <laughs> so I will be offering another class in September. Okay. Yay. This is awesome. So, everyone, thank you so much, Ashley, for being here and... Once again, if you don't know what you're listening to, this is Dying with the Divine, and you can find us on Instagram, on Facebook. If you really like the show, it always helps if you give us a, a rating or a review on Apple Podcasts or Spotify. And you can subscribe to whatever platform you listen to. We're here every Thursday. And if you have any suggestions for episodes, questions, comments, um, please email me at dyingwiththedivinepod at gmail.com. And if you want to follow me, Ashley, I'm Sankofa HS. That's S-A-N-K-O-F-A-H-S and Sankofa Healing Sanctuary on Facebook. Thank you so much for being here, Ashley. This is awesome. And thank you all for listening. And I'll see you next week. Bye.